I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Hometown Glory, your Spurs and Culture podcast. I'm Tom and on with me are Rosa, Billy and Ash. Sadly, Charlie cannot make it and he'll be back soon, we promise. Firstly, we know it's been a minute since our last episode. We're sorry, life got in the way, but we'll make it up to you with all the things you love about the podcast, including, of course, Billy on Emerson and Rosa on Gentle Ben Davis. We're still unbeaten this season. It's worth stating that early. And we're recording as the transfer window closes, which I thought would be an absolute nightmare, but it looks like Fabio isn't pulling any rabbits out of the hat. Um, unless tomorrow you also see an emergency podcast saying we've signed Neymar or something insane. Uh, and we're speaking soon after a one-all draw with West Ham. Regular listeners will know my feelings about West Ham. So I'm relieved we got a point from the fixture, uh, which hasn't brought us much joy in recent years. Uh, But they also came close to winning at the end. And I'm generally a little bit disappointed in the performance. I'm still sad this didn't happen. But Billy, what do you think of our trip to a ground which was once rumoured to be about to be renamed the Tesco Stadium? <laughs> that, is, that would have been an absolutely brilliant name for it because um, I hate that ground so much. I hate everything about it. I hate going there. I hate playing there. I hate everything. Um, do you know what? For the first time of the season, I actually feel a bit deflated, um, which is strange in the like, grand scheme of things because if our worst result of the season is like an away draw at West Ham, then we can't be doing that bad. But it just felt a little bit flat because like, I thought for the first half, for the first time in a while, we had a pretty decent first half. We controlled the game for once, which we haven't really seen much of. But then the second half, we were like awful, like really, really poor. And um, we were clinging on at the end. So I hate going there. To come away with a point, you know, on the face of things is, is, is fine. But 
it's just the performance has left me feeling a bit deflated. I woke up this morning, not really for the first time this season, feeling a bit sort of a bit off of Tottenham, um, which is a shame because on you know on the face of things it's still a really really good start that we've had to the season. But yeah, that second half has left me feeling a bit deflated, to be honest. Yeah, I think you're right. I would have taken a point at the start, but yeah, second half we were really like really really bad, and I had to even admit to West Ham fan friends that they they should have won it really. Um, Rose, are you happy with a point? Um, I feel t- sort of similar. Um, I don't, I don't want to get negative at all. Um, but I, unfortunately, it was a sort of reverse of the Chelsea game in a way, wasn't it? Where it was kind of one of those draws that ended up feeling a bit of a like a bit of a loss. Not particularly because the way we play, just because. They're really not very good at the moment. And while that doesn't really sort of factor into a derby, it it sort of felt like our best chance in a while for getting something, like getting a proper win there. Um, I missed basically the whole first half. So I think I pretty much missed all of the like decent football. And it's, it is a bit of a worry to think that we actually got worse in the second half, which has been which has not been the story of the season so far. We've tended to be much, much stronger in the second half. I... I I know that we it sort of looked like we were almost going to lose it, but I do also feel like at about 80 minutes, to me, it looked as if Conte had just gone, okay, fine, if we, like, I, I don't think we're going to win this one, so let's just not lose it. So I, I do feel as if we kind of closed the game out reasonably effectively. Um, so, like, if I look at it in that way, I'm not that upset about it and I'm not upset about getting a point because it's been a pretty miserable place to go for the last few seasons but I do understand it's like it's just it feels a bit you don't ever want to see them be happy I think that's the issue isn't it and I felt like they were quite happy with the point last night and that more than anything else is irritating I feel like if Charlie was here he would probably be pointing out that we have a lot of London derbies and we have Chelsea and West Ham and of course Arsenal who always like raise their game against us and I think like West Ham showed a lot of heart and that Brazilian lad their new record signing was very good when he came on as well and kind of uh, was was definitely worrying me. Um, I'd just like to shout out Perisic because I thought he I mean he can do no wrong in my eyes I thought he had a really good game. Um, Ash what do you what did you think of the game like I found it quite weird that we stuck with the same 11, apart from Bissouma, who was in for Bentoncourt, who I think had to be out because he had concussion. Uh, do you think Conte should have rotated more, Ash? I missed the game, which I know doesn't make me sort of the most worthy person to be on a Spurs podcast, but I was working. But I, I do think he should have rotated. And I think it's really, really strange to have like someone like, Doherty who was playing so well and got injured and then we haven't sort of seen him since like so uh, yeah I don't know it's it's weird like with all these games coming up that it's just the same 11 and I mean the obvious one of it of course is Richarlison and I think maybe we spoke about it on this podcast but this game is just made for someone like him like the intensity the fact that he'll just like boil the opposition piss in like a big derby it just felt really odd for him not to start his first game yeah, and I think um, I totally agree. And I think going back to the London derby thing, I think a good thing is we've got Chelsea and West Ham out of the way. On the 1st of October, we've got Arsenal away. That's all three London derby aways. They'll be out of the way and finished. 
And, um, you know, that's a big, um, you, know, so, you know, we lost all three of them last year and we've drawn two of them already. So hopefully, you know, onwards and upwards. But it's just, to be honest, I hate going there and it's just good to get out of the way. Billy, um, what did you think of Basuma? Because I thought first half he wasn't great at all. I think he looked pretty nervous on his full debut. Uh, at second half, I thought he briefly grew into the game a bit, briefly looked quite good. But, I mean, overall, it wasn't a great debut, was it? No, it wasn't a great debut. And I think maybe it was in his head a bit too much. Maybe it was you know, thinking a little bit too much about how to impress and stuff because that booking at the beginning was, um, it kind of hamstrung him for the rest of the game. And from then on, you know, particularly in the first half, he was, I think it was, you know, like I said, it was in his head too much um, and he was giving the ball away a lot. But what I, I think there's two factors which led to that. One was the early booking, like I said. But two, I don't think if you're a midfielder in our team, having, you know, Sanchez, Loris and Royale around you, um, who cannot play out of the back at all, did not help us whatsoever. So I have no worries about Basuma, I think. And this goes like for a wider point about the performance in general and our performances over the last couple of games, I think it is quite a simple equation that when Romero is back, we're going to look a lot different um, because simply having someone there who can actually pass the football at the back is going to make such a big difference. And having Basuma, you know, having Romero linking up with Basuma is going to be very, very different. So I think I don't, you know, I, I can see reasons why he didn't have the best debut. I think he'll want to do better, but you sort of started to show signs of it in the second half of what he's all about, I think. Billy, while I'm on you as well, what um, what did you think of the front three in general? I thought Kulu, Kulu was pretty good first half, I thought. Um, he was as like sort of energetic and flary and kind of uh, worrying their defence as much as he uh, as he usually does. Um, and But Song was quiet again, wasn't he? Yeah, it's, it's a weird one because I don't think Son was as bad as he's been the last few games. He was doing some things like he was back to his old self, but I just feel like the front three haven't really clicked yet, which is strange because at the back end of last season, they were incredible together. I just think there's still, um, there's still something missing. I'm not sure what it is. And I think maybe, you know, Rich Arneson coming in is justified and might give them a bit of a kick up the arse because... There's no doubt in the quality. And I know it's a very difficult position for Conte to be in because if you're dropping Son, you're dropping one of the best players in the league. And if you leave Son on the football pitch, there's always a chance he can score. So I know it's a very, very difficult call to make. But I just think there's two ways that you can look at it. One is that they're not playing very well together as a front three. But the second way is they've got so much better to come. And once they click, we're going to be really, really dangerous again, I think. Rosa, Billy just touched on it there. But... um... We are missing Romero so much and can't really play out from the back very well. Uh, talk to us about uh, Davinson Sanchez, uh, who I know is one of your favourites, and Emerson on the right-hand side. Listen, I'm absolutely fuming that we haven't done a podcast in all of this time because the Dav stats up until last night, were impeccable. It was like nine hours of football that we hadn't conceded a single goal in when he was on the pitch. And that obviously all went to pieces last night. I'm very, very sad about it. Um, I love him. As you know, I think he is an absolutely fine defender. But I do agree that right side with both him and Emerson is a problem. And we simply cannot play out from the back properly on that side and it leaves us so unbalanced 
was thinking back, I was trying to think of games that have been this season and trying to look over the season as a whole. And I really, really enjoyed the the second half of the Wolves game, even though we only won that game 1-0, it felt like we could have scored loads more. It was like, it was a good day, well, a good afternoon, good half in the sun. Um, And then obviously, and that was Romero's last game before we got injured, right? Because then we didn't have him for Forest. And I think we've really wobbled in the last two games. And I sort of can't see another like that that seems to me to be the reason really we just have so many more options with Romero on the pitch so much as I love Dav and as much as I was so ready to just get up on my soapbox and you know proclaim my king um I something's got to change I don't I don't think that back three will change while Romero's still out I think Dav will still play I it is it's a weird one because I know like Emerson is also a good defender, but we just we just don't have an out down that side when they're both playing. So I don't I kind of assume that Doherty must be still sort of broken a little bit. But so maybe it's just time to bring in Spence, really. I just kind of don't I don't feel like Conte will sacrifice any of that defensive solidity because that is obviously what he like what he wants for his foundations. But I feel like something has to change because otherwise the whole that side is just like nothing's happening and maybe that's part of the reason Kulu hasn't really thrived in the last couple of games either yeah I do um I do I don't think Emerson was like terrible against West Ham but I also do want to see Doherty and Spence and we've got so many games that we need to start rotating players is Spence got a bit of action didn't he against Forest was it um, but it's bizarre that we haven't seen Doherty at all yet. Also, we've kind of been through most player, most of our players on the pitch so far, but what was going on with Pierre, Billy? I mean, at one point he looked pretty injured and like he surely needed to come off. And then there was a weird thing where his football boot was falling apart uh, and he got it changed, but he kind of, from the point at which he looked injured, he didn't seem to regain his composure for the rest of the game. I, yeah, and I actually think that was the kind of decision which ended up costing us the game, um, because one, like he was in, he was clearly injured, you know, and I'm not sure why he wasn't taken off. I think maybe Conte was worried about putting Skip or Siren against, you know, someone who like Declan Rice, who was absolutely incredible as usual. Like he's just probably, if not the best midfielder in the league, certainly one of the best midfielders in the league. Um, maybe he didn't want to like throw them into the Lions, but. As soon as that kind of that five, ten minutes happened, we didn't really recover for the rest of the half. Um, so I'm not really sure what happened. Like it was he seemed at one point like he couldn't even walk. And then it was like sort of seemed to be complaining about his boots more than his like ligaments. Everyone the tackle was really nasty and everyone was saying it's like a pretty bad ankle injury, but that didn't seem to then he then seemed to carry on the rest play the rest of the game. It was a really weird situation, and I do think we got it wrong, to be honest. I think he should have come off. Um, because after that, we'd never really sort of regained our control of the game at all. Um, so I think that was a real mistake from, you know, both Conte and, the, and maybe Pierre himself, if he wanted to stay on, I don't know. It seems kind of bizarre if we have a load of players on the bench who aren't ready to play. As um, Rosa was saying, like, maybe the only reason, the only thing there is that uh, with Doherty is that he's not ready to play. Skip was obviously on the bench um, yesterday, but I, I 
presuming like he should have in the normal world he would have come on for Pierre wouldn't he but I, I presume he just wasn't ready either uh, to face Declan Rice um, let's talk about Hugo uh, to kind of wind up the chat about uh, West Ham he's hit 10 years at Spurs uh, Ash Talk to us about Hugo, our uh, French king. Is he our best ever goalkeeper? One of? Um, for people of like my generation, he's definitely the best goalkeeper. I think like if you've seen Spurs win something significant, he's probably not um, the best goalkeeper, and it's probably like I don't know Jennings or someone like that. But like, yeah, I think. He's so consistent and I think we'll probably only notice how good he is when he like disappears like to the French Riviera or wherever he ends up. Because if you look at sort of, I don't know, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, like all the other big sides over like the 10 year period, there are, there are like a year or two where they've had absolute mares with keepers. Like the obvious one that springs to mind is like Carrius for like Liverpool in like huge games whether they've lost points. And I think like Hugo, he probably doesn't hit the highs that maybe like Emerson or uh, an Allison like hits, but I think he's just really steady. And yeah, for me, he's like a Spurs legend, undoubtedly. I think also when I talked about Fraser Forster recently, it really hit home kind of what Hugo's been for us because we've had so many second keepers that in theory we could have brought in and could have challenged for the number one spot and they haven't. They've all been an absolute nightmare. Yeah, I mean, look at, I mean, things like Galini was terrible. Um, I thought Gazinga was terrible as well. I forget who the others are. Uh, Paolo Lopez. There's loads I probably can't remember, but yeah, like none of them like have even got close for me. Al Lopez was a weird one, wasn't he? I don't think he even ever played for us, did he? But now he's like, isn't he like, he was like Roma and playing for Spain and stuff. That was a random one. Billy, talk to us about Hugo's decade at Spurs. Yeah, man, it's just, um, just feel grateful to have him really. Like, it's very rare that you, you know, for a club like Tottenham, who are not an elite club, or, uh, or certainly haven't been over the last 10 years, um, have aspirations of being one certainly, but definitely haven't been up there, for, you know, for the whole time. But we've had a world-class player for 10 years. He's given up 10 years of his career, the best part of his career, for us, really. And that's a, a really, really lucky thing. Like, we know that he has his flaws, um, and they came to the forefront last night a little bit. Um, but... You know, goalkeeper doesn't. You know, every goalkeeper at the top level. You you watch some of the games for De Gea this year. Um, you know, Edison, um, Allison. They all making. You know, they all have their flaws. There's no such thing as a perfect goalkeeper. And I think we are very, very lucky to have someone like that for ten years. It's been an amazing, amazing thing. And the only thing is, he has to win a trophy with us. Like, he can't be such a shame if that commitment, that loyalty that he's shown to us, our captain, doesn't win a trophy. It would be an absolute travesty, to be honest. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Like, he has to win something here. It'd be like, there are so many players, I think, especially over the past like five, six years, who have like been here and have like nothing to show for it. And I think Kane and Hugo would probably be the biggest travesties if they, if they didn't win anything. And I guess the other point I just thought about while you're talking, Billy, is why on earth has he stayed? Like, it's actually, it's actually just slightly odd that like this amazing goalkeeper that we brought for like, what was it, 10 million, who was like really highly regarded at the time and, you know, went on to win the World Cup. It's odd, not odd, but 
yeah, it's odd, I guess, that he has never like pushed for a move anywhere at any point, as far as it we is. Know. It is weird. You could, like, you could have envisaged like a future where he went to PSG like six years ago and just won everything <laughs> with them. It's really weird that that didn't happen, but thank God it didn't. But do you remember that really weird period when he first came where Brad Friedel was playing? We had like one of the best goalkeepers in the world on the bench for like a month or two months. It was, that was so surreal. And like yeah. everyone was saying, why isn't this guy playing? I think he, there are even sort of rumours like he's getting a bit annoyed and sort of maybe wanting to go in January and stuff like that because it got that long. But as soon as he came in the team, obviously he never looked back. That was just such a weird time. Like Brad Friedel sort of like stopping one of the best goalkeepers in the world from playing in the Premier League. Rosa, um, uh, do you have specific favourite Hugo memories or will you just kind of look back at the kind of his consistency over the 10 years? Um, my feelings about Hugo are really that, that I can't believe like we've had someone so good with us for so long and that weirdness that Ash said of like, why has he never pushed for a move? There's never really even been any like chat about him, has there, of like anyone like coming in for him or anything I'd like it just seems like he's stuck by us and for a while I thought is he just sticking by us because he loves Posh but he's stuck by us through like all of the nonsense and I don't really understand it but I'm very very grateful for it Rose is just having some technical difficulties, uh, but we'll continue with Ash and Billy. Let's look back a little bit. We haven't talked since before. A 1-0 win against a really good Wolves side. I thought they were decent. Uh, and a 2-0 versus Forest with a missed penalty too. Uh, Harry finally missed one after 20-something in a row that he'd put away. Uh, I was pretty impressed with Forest. But I think it's still fair to say um, that we've got good results without looking at our best so far. Um, do you think there's still another level we can hit, Ash? And how do we do that? I think there's definitely another level because we saw that last season under the same manager with like mostly the same players. So there's no doubt about that. I guess it's sort of the concern is when is that going to happen? Because it needs to happen pretty soon because... Arsenal on the horizon and and I think that's sort of part of the reason why so many of us were sort of woken up very deflated today because and it's natural to be so I saw a lot of people like being like we're going to click into gear soon but our rivals keep winning and we keep getting fairly good results and I know we're in touching distance of them and it's fine but it'd be nice just to get like one decent performance like under our belts um and then sort of like look forward to this next run of games before it gets really mad. Um, so I have no doubt that we, we can get better because we've been really poor. And that being said, I feel like Wolves, Forest, and probably all the games so far, I've never really felt Chelsea aside that we were like threatened. Like Wolves had a, like a few chances, but they were only, only really going to score from like pot shots and they'd have to be perfect. We've really sort of defended quite well so far um despite the, the concerns so yeah it's been it's been a mixed bag but like listen like the front three have barely started and Kane never gets started anyway until about now and he's got a few goals so hopefully like this time next week when we're talking um will we be in much better spirits Billy, 11 points from five games, uh, including two, as you said earlier, two away London derbies. How are you feeling right now? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a weird, weird situation, isn't it? Because I feel like 
you know, 11 out of 15 is fine. It's great, in fact. Um, better than we normally do. Um, dropped points away against two of our toughest games of the season. That's fine. Um, but it just feels a little bit weird because we haven't really started playing like we know we can play. Um, and you can look at that as being a positive because... Once we do start hitting our stride, we're going to start blowing away teams again like we did at the back end of last season. And I do kind of say, it kind of reminds me of the time when um, Eric Dyer went out the team in um, in the earlier, the beginning of this year. And I think we lost two games. We lost against Southampton Wolves. And it was like, everyone was like, worrying about it and then when Dyer came back in the team we went on a big unbeaten run after that and I think it's a bit the same with Romero um, which is a little bit worrying in some ways because you know we've spent a lot of money in the transfer window um, improving the depth but when you look at the actual depth that we have they're not being used at the moment and we're still a couple of injuries away from being sort of back to square one which is a little bit of a worry but I know we're going to talk about more about that in a bit but I do think once Romero comes back in and what we need to remember at the end of the day, losing Romero is losing one of our very best players. Um, and I do think when he comes back in, we're going to see our old self back and we will start to play better. Um, and I think Basuma is going to thrive again. And I think we're going to start to link play a lot more from the back and things, which is what happens when we're at our best. So I do really, really happy with the points total. Not really happy with the performances, but I think it can be explained by the fact that we're losing one of our best players at the moment. So, yeah, as I said at the start of the podcast, we're recording as the transfer window shuts. I feel like if we'd done our business later and kind of today we were signing Richarlison and Basuma, we'd probably be over the moon. But there's that kind of recency bias where maybe it feels like we should have signed someone late on. Ash, how do you feel about the transfer window? You, you wanted more, bit, more signings in really, didn't you? Yeah, I'm I'm not very happy actually. I think the, the signings that we made, I think, are really good. Um, you know, if you told me that we were gonna get Basuma and Perisic and Richarlison and Spence like at the beginning, you know, I'd be buzzing. But I, I just think we've got this re- we're in a, just a weird place as a club, and then we've got this window um where we have Conte, we have Kane, we have Son, we've obviously touched upon Hugo uh, a minute ago. And it just feels like the time is sort of now to get it right. And I know there's like a lot to do and we're sort of fixing a lot of the problems that were made under Hitchin and Pochettino and Mourinho and everyone else. But I'm just slightly disappointed, especially seeing the way Chelsea like have gone about fixing that defence. I I know I've spoken about it on here before, but I just, I'm not sure that the, the, the sum, a couple of the centre-backs are good enough. And... Yeah, just like I've watched us this season and we really are missing that player who can unlock um, those tight games and produce something really brilliant or thread that through ball um, to one of our attackers. So I am disappointed um, despite the fact that it's been a fairly good window. It feels like we got um, pretty much everyone out that we wanted out, although albeit they all went out on loan. Uh, Winks and Dombele and Le Celso are all uh, all gone for now. I'm sure we'll be having the same worries next summer uh, about where they're going at that point. Um, how, how are you feeling about the transfer window, Billy? It feels like we probably should have upgraded on Tanganga at least uh, late on in the window. 
Yeah, I do feel like we've missed a little bit of an opportunity towards the end. I think the business that we've done early was brilliant, and um, that's a rarity for us. We don't normally do business early. Um, I know Conte at the beginning said he wanted those players in before the career tour, which mostly happened. Um, I just feel like we're still a couple short because we haven't got any cover for Eric Dyer at all. If Eric Dyer gets injured, we're in big trouble. And considering the fact that we're going to play three games a season, uh, three games a week for the foreseeable future, you know that is a bit of a worry there. Um, if I know there's perhaps maybe like Longley can play centre back, or Davis Sanchez can play centre back, or you know Romero can play centre back, or something like you can experiment in that kind of way. But to me, it just feels like an opportunity missed to having like a proper decent centre back there to go with Eric Dyer. Um, before the season ended, we said the sort of weakest areas on our team are right wing back. And we've while we've addressed that with the sign of Spence, it doesn't look like Conte France is in that much at the moment. So again, we're still having issues there. Um, and like I said, the biggest issue for me is we haven't really got that creative player, um, which I feel is, a, again, it kind of showed in the, a lot of the games this season, we're missing a player that can make that pass, um, that creativity. But that's not to say it's not been a really good window because it has. Um, it just feels like a slight opportunity missed towards the end of it. Um, but if you look at the sort of what the Paratici's done as a whole, over, since in the last year, we've signed Romero, Kudusevsky, Bentonkar, Basuma, Perisic. We're transforming this team and it's definitely then heading in the right direction for sure. It's just, it feels like a slight opportunity missed. If we really wanted to kick on, I feel like we could have done with three more signings. Um, and I know that sounds really greedy because we signed seven players, but... A lot of the, you know, a couple of the players that we signed, if you include like Forster, Perisic, and New Doggy, are not really players that are going to make the first team anytime soon, by the looks of things. So, um, a good window overall, but I still feel like it's a slight opportunity missed. Okay, let's move on to Fulham then, coming this Saturday, another 3 pm kickoff, which is a novelty in itself. I'm looking forward to getting back to the stadium. Should be a nice sunny day, a warm, September uh, afternoon, a few beers in that outside bit of the South Stand will be fun. Um, as we speak, it seems like Fulham could end up with William, Vinicius and Dan James from um, Leeds, who we were obviously being linked with in the last few days. That's worrying me, given that Andreas and Mitrovic are um, also playing really well. Uh, surely he starts Richarlison finally as well. Uh, but who do we drop? Right, Billy, come on. How are you feeling about, about Fulham? Oh, yeah, there is just absolutely no way we are winning this game of football. Like, it's, it's out of our hands. Like, if, you, if you've been a Tottenham fan long enough and you see we've been linked with Dan James, everyone's going crazy about being linked with Dan James and he signs for another team and then we play that team next. You just know he's going to score against us. Like, that just always happens to Tottenham. On top of that, you've got William, who is a player that we almost signed and he ran out of a medical of our club. You know he's going to score against us. On top of that, we've got Carlos Vinicius, who, like, sort of a cult figure, um, left us, come back to play against us. He's going to score against us. So, I think the football gods are just... It's like, this has been... This is what we do, isn't it, as Tottenham? This is our thing. So, there's just no way we're going to win this game of football match. Like, the narrative is just too much against us. Like, checkmate for them. You've beaten us already. Yeah, it's it's extremely cursed now, isn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, Ash, come on. Surely he starts Richarlison at this point. And, like, who are you dropping, Son or Kulu? Oh, Son, of course. Son's been horrible. Um, and I think Richarlison will start. He's just posted a hilarious uh, picture on Instagram of him doing a, a like, keepy up. Um, but 
his sort of head is really small, like one of those, like, no, 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 sorry. His head is sort of like big with a small body, like one of those like football figurines from like the 1990s. Um, So he has to start um, and I think we will win and we, and we should win. Um, Yeah. If we're serious, we have to win this game, but yeah, the narrative is crazy. And it's my first 3 p.m. kickoff in, it feels like a decade. So we better win. We better win. Billy, on Richarlison, um, he supplied the assist for the second goal against Forest, I believe. I was quite drunk on that um, bank holiday Sunday, if I'm honest. But um, lovely assist for that Kane goal. And he looked very good when he came on against West Ham, didn't he? He's like, I can't wait for a full 90 minutes of him. Yeah, I mean, other than having the audacity to do kick-ups in the middle of the pitch, um, I don't think he realised there were kids watching at this point. Um, other than the audacity of doing something like that, he's been brilliant, I think. Every, I think every time he's come on, he's changed the game. Um, and I just, I, I think he's deserved to start already. Um, and then, I don't know, I don't know. I can, I, it wouldn't surprise me, just the way things are going, if he started with the same front three against Fulham and then started Richarlison against Marseille. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I know he will start one of the two games, for sure. I just don't know with Conte. You never know. He seems like he's quite a stubborn guy. It wouldn't surprise me if Richarlison started Marseille and not Fulham. I don't know. Um, but he has to start one of the two games. He, he absolutely has to. Like It's just getting ridiculous at this point because every time he comes on, he's influencing the game and he's look, he's doing the things which Son, we know Son does really well, like they're bringing the vibes and the energy and he's doing it better than Son at the moment. He's looking more likely to score. Um at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I do think he'll start one of the... I, it honestly would not surprise me though, to see the same front three against Fulham um, because I just think Conte is sort of like, in his head about it at the moment. He kind of doesn't... He just wants to give Son that game and then he's eventually going to score. Um, but Richardson, I just think every single time he's come on, he's made a huge impact. Um, and if he doesn't get a start in the next two games, then it's, it's a travesty, to be honest. I keep forgetting that, that Champions League football is... Like, we're so close to Champions League football at White Hart Lane again um, next Wednesday against Marseille. It feels like Richarlison is probably going to be quite up for Champions League football as well, right? Surely. Yeah, no, he's, I don't, I'm pretty sure he's never played it before. Pretty sure. Don't think, no, he's never played at Everton and Watford. So it'd be a big deal for him. So I wouldn't be surprised if like Conte said to him, look, you're going to start the Champions League game and that's a big deal. We want you to start that game. So who knows? But in, in all seriousness, we have to be winning this game against Fulham. Like I know Mitrovic, everyone says about Mitrovic is that he's a championship striker. He scores in the championship, doesn't do it in the Prem. This season he's doing it in the Prem. And I think what would be an amazing battle to watch is Mitrovic versus Romero. So I hope we get that battle at the weekend because... One of them is going to get sent off. Let's be honest. That's a, that's a, it's like Cucurella versus Romero, but times ten. So that'll be a huge battle to keep an eye on if Romero does come back. Yeah, that's going to be fun to watch from the uh, from the South Stand after a few beers for sure. Um, anyway, I'm excited but also worried about Saturday. But yeah, looking forward to some beers in the sunshine at the stadium. Right, we've done enough wanging on about football uh, now. We're really sorry we lost Rosa, but she's having some technical nightmares. Um, but yeah, just before we go, let's do our usual uh, culture picks. What have you been watching or listening to, Ash? Um, what have I watched? I watched the new Game of Thrones, um, which is good and has like managed to draw me back in after that like really bad last season um, from the previous show. Um, been listening to 
uh, like the Jay-Z verse on DJ Khaled album because it's like one of the best Jay-Z verses in like years. So that's been amazing. I have li- I had, honestly haven't even got past the second track on that album because I just like skipped back to that. I was, um, funnily enough, I was saying to someone today, um, what's the, re- who usually would have listened to the album, what, like, what's the rest of the album like? And he was like, I've, I've literally only listened to that song. And the yeah. song with Jay-Z is seven minutes as well. So it's quite long. I- I think he like raps for over three and a half minutes. Um, It's amazing to hear him on that form again, Jay-Z, because, you know, he's like, it's been pointed out everywhere, but his guest verses are usually really short. And, you know, he hasn't, we haven't heard anything that good from him in so long, I don't think. Yeah, it's it's really impressive. And like, I think he was like doing a Twitter, like Q&A last night, um, which was really cool. So you can like check that out. But so that... um, New Arctic Monkeys song I thought was really good. Um, Rex Orange County new new single was great. So like, just there's loads of brilliant new music, actually. Yeah, I just was going to mention the New Arctic Monkeys single as well. Like, it feels like it's a definite continuation from the last album, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, in that it's quite slow and loungy, and it might as well be a Alex Turner solo record like most of that album, but it's still so good. He's lyrically, it's brilliant. And the like, the production, the kind of really stripped back, like crooning kind of slow production is so good, I think. Yeah, it's cool. And the, he looks cool in the video, I think as well. Oh Just man, he looks so cool. And the, the like, I didn't go to Reading obviously, but the, um, the Reading performance, which is on iPlayer, the whole thing is so good. They're on amazing form. Yeah, I need to watch that actually because I was sort of just like hopping around various festivals all weekend. But yeah, I need to catch up on um, I, on iPlayer. Yeah. It's like an hour on iPlayer, but like I, it's one I've seen them live so many times, but they're still on exceptional form. And what was really cool actually is it's like the crowd at Reading is full of like eighteen-year-olds that know the words to all of their songs. It's like yeah, it's wicked to see. To see that, and Alex is yeah, just like maybe the coolest, like the coolest man in Britain or something. Uh, I was also just briefly going to mention the second series of Only Murders in the Building, which we uh, recommended last. The first series of uh, Selena Gomez, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. Like Martin Short, everything he does is so so good in that show. And then there's like Tina Fey and all these amazing guest actors. But that second series is good. It's maybe not quite as good as the first season, but it's it's decent and it's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Billy, tell us what you've been watching because you've always taken in like a thousand films a week. Yeah, man, I've, I've had this insane film experience this week. I've watched this film, which I know has become like a viral sensation called RRR, which is a, an Indian film, a Tollywood film, which is a term that I just learned, um, which means it's similar to Bollywood, but the language is quite different. So this film is like fucking nuts, man. Honestly... It's one of the craziest films I've ever seen. Like it's it's three hours long, which is for me is mad. Like I can't sit down and watch a three-hour film until I saw this film. And I challenge anyone to just watch the first five minutes into this film. And if you don't like it, you're not alive. You're not a human. Honestly, it's like it's insane. I can't even really describe it in words. It's that good. It's like an action drama kind of thing. It's got like musical elements and stuff, but the action is so insane that it's like 
more insane than anything I've seen in Hollywood do in the last few years. It's like it's just honestly, I can't even describe it in words. It is that good. It's called RRR. It is just three hours of this insane action from the minute one that it starts. All three hours. Now, I've never sat through a three-hour film and thought and like thought that it felt like a one-hour film, but this is the film that has finally done that. Um, and it's become a viral sensation on like TikTok and stuff because the scenes are just absolutely nuts and crazy, and you can't believe what you're seeing in front of your eyes. But it is unbelievable, and you can see why it's become the big hit that it is, and unironically a big hit as well. People aren't just watching it because for like a joke or whatever. It's actually really, really good. So ah uh, ah uh, uh, and it's on Netflix as well. So just honestly, watch the first five minutes if you're not hooked. I would be very, very surprised. That's all it took for me, five minutes. Um, I also haven't been on for a while, so I also saw Nope, and I'm going to say I was a little bit disappointed. Actually, I know it's like sacrilegious. Um, I think Jordan Peele is one of the best filmmakers we have at the moment, and he should be celebrated. Um, I just, I didn't connect with this film as much as I did with um, Us and Get Out. I was actually left a bit cold by it, to be honest. I thought it was a bit disappointing. But um, RRR on Netflix, watch the first five minutes. You will not put it down for the rest of the three hours, I trust me. Interesting about uh, Nope, because, yeah, it did get kind of mixed reviews. So, like, the critics either gave it five stars or, like, two stars. Yeah, a lot of people did give it five. And I, you know, again, I would never, I don't want to criticise Jordan Peele because I think he's amazing. But I think the kind of reputation sort of preceded them with that film. I don't think it's as good as people were saying it is. It just, it's just, I don't know, just left me feeling a bit flat, to be honest. But I can't wait to see what he does next. He's, like, the most exciting guy working in, working today. I, I thought that the RRR film, like I saw the clips just like doing the rounds and I thought it was a piss take. So I actually will go and watch it now. Exactly. That's how good it is. Like it looks so ridiculous that you think, is this actually yeah. like real? But it is. And then you get hooked in the story and it's like amazing. Yeah, I've just added it to my list on Netflix. So I'm, I'm definitely checking it out. Honestly, go. have a few drinks and watch RRR. You will have the best night. Like just have a few drinks, watch it on a Friday night with everyone around and it, you will not regret it. Amazing. Well, you know, if there's one thing you know about Hometown Glory is you can always trust Billy's recommendations. I just remembered you recommended um, Eliza Rose's uh, Baddest of Them All uh, quite a long time ago on this podcast and I think it's now number one. Yeah, I couldn't believe that, to be honest. Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, did the same with LF System as well, so I'm two for two at the moment. So, yeah, on a roll at the moment with those two. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't know how this like dance music is like breaking into the mainstream and going like number one, but long may it continue. But Baddest of Them All, I, like, I get why LF System went to number one, I think, but Baddest of Them All is quite a strange number one. Like, it's, it's wicked, but, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised it went to number one. Yeah, because it doesn't really have like any commercial like aspects. It's just like a straight out house track. Yeah. don't get it don't get it but i'm very happy for 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 and the lf record like it didn't just like go to number one it was number one for like seven weeks which is like completely mental it's like one of the biggest i think it's like, yeah i think it's the biggest selling song of the year isn't it or something like that which is not yeah, so not... like two djs from scotland who like sample disco records or something well look we've been talking up the british uh house music scene on this podcast for over a year so maybe we've played a small part in uh in this in that success i'm just, like that's a joke but seriously british uh dance music and house music has never been stronger i don't think uh anyway on that note uh we will be back next week with charlie and with rosa thanks to rosa for joining us Honestly, she had a technical nightmare, but she'll be back soon. Charlie will be back soon. And hopefully we'll be talking about how Romero did a job on Mitrovic come Monday 
uh, and how we uh, had a great game against Fulham. Uh, Billy and Ash, thanks very much for joining me. And Billy, as is customary, please can you see us out? Up the Spurs. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.